When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as we prepare for a massive week in Nottingham Forest season ahead of the most anticipated match on the calendar against Derby County at home. And to do that, we're joined first of all in the company of Reds fan and BT Sport and BBC broadcaster Darren Fletcher. Fletch, welcome back. Are you well? Yes, very good. Better now. Now the results are good. I'm better. So yeah, all good. Yeah, well, you were always uh, well. A lot of people have come on this podcast when it's not been a good time, but this is one of your probably the first time you've been on when it's all looking rosy. So it'll be good to hear what, how you uh, think things are going. And our second guest today with him's show is Reds fan from uh, Match Series, Max Max Hayes. Hello, Max. You well? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on. And uh, like uh, Fletch says as well, it's nice to talk about something positive for once. So. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, we'll, we'll start with you, Max, because um, Fletch was a bit busy on Saturday with the small matter of Man City versus Chelsea. And I yeah. um, didn't see the game either, but I know you did against Millwall. So um, give us your thoughts on that. A 1-0 win for Forrest, a very late winner for Lewis Graben. What did you make of it? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was just, I think, a, a, a typical performance almost under Cooper that Forrest maybe in the first half didn't play the best of football. Uh, I thought kind of Millwall pressed us really high. Um kind of considering how Forest have been against teams that tend to press us high. We normally do quite well, but we seem to struggle really. Um, you know, there were certain players for them that kept getting kind of down the flanks and, and certainly beating players like Spence in the first half, which surprised me. Um, and then kind of second half, it, it almost changed. But I think to get a goal late on, because a lot of Forest fans were like, OK, well, it's a nil-nil draw against Millwall. It's a decent result. Another point to take on to Derby um, next week. But then I think it just shows the kind of confidence and... Uh, probably resilience that the team knows that they can go on and score and go and get a late goal. Um, you know, so I think that's something that Cooper's drilled in. I know we talk about it a lot, how Cooper's changed the team and he has, I think mentally um, under previous managers, Forrest never really scored late on before, but I think he's kind of drilled in some belief to the, to the squad and to the players that they are capable of, of getting a goal, even if it's not deserved, but then considering Forrest did quite well, we defended quite well against Millwall. So, you know, it was probably a, I, I, I mean, I would have said from a, no, a neutral point of view, I'd, I'd have probably said, you know, take a point. A point was a fair result, but then to snatch it quite late on was, um, you know, was was brilliant. And the Forest fans went away happy. And it was um, it was some nice celebrations to see at the end as well with um, Cooper and the players going over to the fans. Uh, Forest are now 10th, five points off the playoffs. Like Max says there, Fletch, late goals, defensive resolve, does it feel to you like something special might be happening without getting too far ahead of ourselves? Yeah, I think when, I think to define special, then they've got to get promoted to the Premier League. I mean, this is this is. You know, I think the realistic aspect to this is you can kind of drill down really deeply on why they score late goals and, and things like that. They're just being set up at the moment to play attacking football and. If you play attacking football, you've always got a chance to score a goal. I mean, they were so negative under Chris Hewton. Um, they were defensively resilient under Sabri Lamouchi. So we know they can do that. 
And the knock on Lamushi as a manager was that he didn't free them up enough and was maybe too defensive. The same you'd say with, with Chris. Now you've got a manager that wants them to play the right way, wants to have attacking players in the team. The transfer business they've done so far is designed to make them better at that. And while I wouldn't quite go as far as to say special yet, because I think to be special, they've got to be in the top six and they've got to be looking towards those automatic places and this run has to carry on. This is as positive a situation that I see Forrest in for quite some time. And that's been reflected by the fact you can't get a ticket. It's been reflected by the fact that 2000 went to, to Millwall at the weekend. And this whole confidence that flows from the supporters to the players, from the players to the supporters, the confidence that's been given to them by Steve Cooper. And you have to say, some of the coaching staff that were there under Chris, who have maybe found that they can do things slightly differently under Steve. The whole club is moving forward as one. And, and when you walk in there, you can feel it. When you talk to anybody in the, in the city, you can feel it. And that counts for a lot. You know, I kind of look at what Blackburn Rovers have done this season. And I look at that and say, well, if they can do that, Forrest can. Because I look at the Forrest group and I think that's a more talented group. <clears throat> so if Blackburn can do what they're doing, then Forrest certainly can. So I, I don't think this is going to stop. I think this is going to be the kind of form that we're going to see. I think they're very lucky to have Steve Cooper as the manager. And I don't say that with any kind of um, any kind of uh, pre-knowledge that he was going to do this. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I didn't. I didn't foresee this, but I think sometimes you get the perfect storm. You get a manager that fits a group, a manager that fits the club. I think he understands what the club is. I think he's embracing the history and embracing the size of it and thoroughly enjoying the challenge. And I think when you get a situation like that, good things happen. What do you think is realistic, Fletch, this season? Playoffs? I think, or, yeah, or no, I think the playoffs are realistic. Yeah, I, I really do. I think the playoffs are realistic. And, and I would be surprised if they don't finish in the top six. I think to expect them to do anything other than that is too much at this stage. Um, whether they can get through the playoffs after that, there's a lot that, that's dependent on. But, you know, as I say, I, I don't see this kind of form ending. I don't think this is a bounce. I don't think this is a flash in the pan. I think this is the new Nottingham Forest. I think the, the signings that have come in have been excellent, experience, pace, enthusiasm. You know, I think I think... A lot of people focus at the minute on having Keenan Davis in the team, which is a different kind of striker. But Forrest wants to play with a back three. And if you look at the players that have been playing in the back three, the majority of them have been brought up playing in a back four. So Steve Cook's now back there and experience and ability to play that way is huge for them. We've seen it in the past. I mean, look at the job that Gary Cahill does for Bournemouth at the moment, the experience that he brings, the knowledge that he passes on, the ability to see situations developing that maybe others can't. I just think they've been very clever um, and they've got good people in. I don't know about the fullback, the Canadian fullback, never seen him play, but I know that Cook and Davis are going to give you exactly what they need. And I think other players benefit from having people like that around them. I mean, I think Lewis Graben benefits because he hasn't got to play every game. And I think it's difficult to play as a central striker, a lone striker at Lewis Graben's age and be expected to do that job every week. And by the way, score every time you get a chance. It's difficult to do. So Keenan Davis gives them an opportunity to be creative in terms of team selection. Brennan Johnson all of a sudden picks the ball up in more space 
because people can't key on him. Zinc and Argyle the same. So all of a sudden you've got this process that's developing, a football team that's getting better and better, and, and, and it's being built on solid fundamentals and sound foundations. So there is no reason why this shouldn't continue, I think. Forrest, as Fletch says, signed the three players already. They'd like to sign Jed Wallace. They'd like to sign Bowler, the winger from Blackpool. There's an interest in Buchanan, and they're linked with a couple of others. But I think they're the main three. How are you feeling about the state of the squad so far, Max? Yeah, I mean, it's a. I think I think I completely agree with everything that Fletch said. I mean, some of the additions so far have been good, and especially players like Cook that has have, have come in and will really kind of. And I always think, in a way, that it's not easy sometimes for a player to come in and slot straight away into, you know, a different style of formation, for example, different style of play under Cooper and kind of adapt to new surroundings. So I was quite impressed with how Cook did so well and especially against Arsenal, slotted in and you'd have thought that I can remember seeing a comment on Twitter and I completely agreed with it. You know, you'd have thought that he'd have been there for six months the way he was playing. Um, so I mean, in, in terms of how the squad is at the moment, I think I think that the squad is a decent size. There's definitely some dead wood to clear out still uh, in my eyes. Um, you know, Carvalho is obviously one of those, in my opinion, he's linked with uh, Olympiacos. Um, we were just saying before we came on as well. And then, you know, you've got other players such as, you know, young players that potentially need to go out on loan. I mean, Alex Martin isn't featuring that much at the moment. Would a loan benefit him? Probably yes. Um, and then you look at players that are coming, you know, it'd be nice to see Richie Larea, the new Canadian fullback, get a, get a run out. And then especially as well, you know, um, Keenan Davis is, 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 has done an excellent job. I thought he played well against Arsenal. He reminds me, actually, of Antonio a little bit. He holds up the ball quite well. He's got a bit of pace on him, and I quite like this style that I can remember when Antonio played for Forest. He was probably one of my favourite players back then. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the, the, you know, there's been some positive moves. There's definitely a few more additions we need, but then there's also some we need to kind of open the door to and kind of, um, you know, whether that's a loan or a transfer move. You wanted to come in there, Fletch? Yeah, I, I just think that I think where, where I would slightly temper enthusiasm with Keenan is what we don't know about him is whether he can score goals consistently. Yeah. When he played at Aston Villa, he didn't score goals. The physical attributes and the way that he plays is a nightmare for defenders. I remember commentating on Aston Villa games when he played in the Premier League. And I remember thinking, if you were marking him, you need to lay down at the end of it because he runs into you all game and he makes you turn all game and he wants to use his pace all game. He's a nightmare. What Forrest are hoping now is that he can add goals to his game as well. And we've seen players do this in the past. You know, players drop into the championship and all of a sudden they get the confidence to score goals and then they take that into a Premier League career as well. So you're hoping that he does that. But I think the one question he's got to answer is can he score goals consistently as a starting number nine. And that's not as a starting Forest number nine. That's him in general for his career. It's the only thing that he's he's got to answer as a, as a senior professional. But we're going to find out over the fullness of time. And he's certainly going to be in a, in a team now that's going to afford him the opportunities to do that. I mean, Mac, Max mentions Carvalho. And, and I've never really been asked, I don't think, about Carvalho on the podcast. And I don't get it. I genuinely don't get it. The best thing about Carvalho is the song. If you take the song away, I don't see a great deal of reason for him to be there. Talented player, cost a lot of money. Does he influence games when he comes on? I don't see it. Does he put himself in a position to influence games when he comes on? I don't see it. I don't see him fitting into the dynamic of the new Forest team. I don't see what all the fuss is about. I never have. Um, 
if he goes to Olympiakos, I don't really expect him to make a big impact there either. I, ju- I just genuinely... Now, I might be missing something. I'm not saying that I see everything, but I just don't see it. And I, and I, I certainly don't share the enthusiasm of the Forest supporters who kind of welcome him like royalty whenever he comes off the bench. I mean, he gets a better, a better reception than John Robertson used to get when they were winning European Cups. And, and, and I think you can count the performances on one hand, and I don't think you need all the fingers. So I think that's one of the players that I think it can be a bit of a distraction. I think it can certainly be a distraction in games when you get this buzz in the stadium when people think he's going to come on. And then when he does come on, just doesn't do anything. So I might be wrong. I might be in the minority. I don't see it. I think he's a player that they can do without, and I just don't get it. So does he flourish in a different league? You don't think so? I, 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 I think he could flourish in this league, but I think a player want, needs to want to flourish in the league that he's in. I mean, whenever I see him come on, if he gets five touches, you're surprised. I mean, he's nowhere near the ball. You watch him and you think, well, he just can't get on the ball. Playing as a number 10, he should have more space than anybody else, really, because he's playing in a in a pocket between the midfield and the centre-back. So you should certainly be able to find him. And I look at him and I think, how many touches has he had since he's been on? How many chances has he created? What has he done to change the dynamic of the match since he's been on there? And I don't see it. I certainly don't see it consistently enough for a player who's your club record signing. I just don't see it. So whether he flourishes in another league, I think is down to him. I've got no doubt the talent is in him somewhere, but I just don't see that being used properly at Nottingham Forest. Now, whether he's whether he's affected by the fact that he's gone through so many managers, whether there's, there's constant chopping and changing, whether he's not playing week after week after week after week to, to find his feet, I don't know. All I know is my experience of watching him, bar the odd good performance, it's not enough. And I, and I, I don't think it's going to affect them unduly if he does go somewhere else. I think they've got players that, that warrant first-team action more than he does. Um, and as I say, I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably in the minority. I'm probably going to get shouted down by a large section of Forest supporters who seem to be infatuated by him, but I just don't see it. Uh, well, you say that. We're live on YouTube and Facebook as normal. And the first comments, uh, one says he's pants, one says well said Fletch. And uh, David says, personally, he's been awful since signing. Get rid. So oh, you've got 100% amazing. of the support. The, the, rest the, rest will come, the rest will come now. Who's this? Be on Twitter now. Be on Twitter. <laughs> it's the What's majority take, on Matt? Twitter. Are you um, speak to a lot of fans as well, yeah. out of games. What's your personal take? Because he's so divisive, isn't he? What do you think about it? Um, I, I, I always go back to... And I, I think the amount of managers that have been at Forest and that have had him in a team or had him available for their team and haven't really started him in a starting eleven. I mean, really, you could probably include because he came when he came when Karanka was here, didn't he? I think so. You've got kind of Karanka there, who was his Karanka went and got him. Whether that was the director of football and whether the links with Greece and, and uh, you know X, Y, and Z, he might not have been Karanka's man. But you've got Karanka, you've had O'Neill, you've had you forget how many managers Forest have had. You've had Lamucci, and of course you had Hutton as well. Whether you can include Steve Cooper because he's only been in the job for um, you know four or five months now. So I don't know, but I always think that if a manager doesn't choose a player and consistent managers don't choose a player, then it says something else is going on potentially behind the scenes is it his attitude does he not you know is he bothered does he just not want to play and, and I just think like Fletch said as well it, it can have a negative impact on the rest of the squad Forrest you know are high flying at the moment considering 
comparing to other seasons and have a great kind of squad attitude and there is positive stuff happening on the pitch and, and certainly at the moment with the signings probably off the pitch with the recruitment. So I think having someone like that around can be a little bit of a distraction and can, you know, it might not benefit the squad at all. So in my opinion, you're better to get rid of... I would like to see him given a full 90 minutes. He has been given chances before under O'Neill against Hull. I can remember when he came on and he did change the game. I think he scored, didn't he, that time when, um, in the kind of last O'Neill days towards the end of the season. Um, but it, it's just a difficult one. I just don't think he proves he proves what he can offer. Whereas a player like Lyle Taylor sometimes comes on and Lyle Taylor gets a lot of stick as well. And even though he might not play the full 90 minutes, he almost runs his socks off and you can see his work rate and his attitude, whereas Carvalho, I can never really see that. I think when you when you look at Carvalho, I think if you want to look at what was wrong with the way things were being done prior to the summer changes, he's the poster boy for it. I always felt that what Forrest were trying to do was catch lightning in a bottle, that they were trying to find somebody from Europe who nobody else had seen who could come in and do what Diogo Jota did at Wolves the year they got up, Ruben Neves did at Wolves the year they got up. And they were prepared to take that gamble, thinking, well, look, we'll spend the money, he'll come in, we'll have the best player in the championship and his ability will get us out. Mm. And I think they realised over the fullness of time that that was the wrong way to go about it. And I think that's why Dave Murphy came in in the summer. I think that's why they've gone for Steve Cooper as the manager, because they want the culture change. I think they realised that they were signing players that weren't fitting in. And I think the ownership and the hierarchy in there were big enough to turn around and say, look, we're getting this wrong. We need to do something different here. And the policy this season is vastly different to the policy of previous seasons. You know, signing Jed Spence, signing Keenan Davis, signing players like that. Players that you feel are going to give you a chance to compete in the championship rather than players that you hope are going to give you a chance to compete in the championship. And I think Carvalho was the poster boy for that. You know, we've seen so many strikers come in that you think, well, who the hell are they? And they, they play a few games, they don't score any goals and off they go. Yet then you see them somewhere else and they're doing fine. But the championship is a, is a, is a niche league to a, to a large extent. You play so often, it's a, it's a certain type of football. Every game's a difficult game. There aren't really any bad teams in the, in the championship. So it's a different thing. It's a constant. And I just look at Carvalho and think that if you sat them down now as a recruitment team and said, would you take the player? Would you put him into the group? I think the answer now would be no, because I think lessons have been learned. So I think he's kind of yesterday's scene. And what we're moving into now is a more practical approach to acquiring players, which hopefully should give them a greater success rate in terms of who they bring in. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, I hear he's a, a good lad, but he's not one that's going to bang the door down and he's not going to he doesn't sound the most driven. I don't know if I'm being overly critical there, but that's not going to cut it in the championship, is it? Is like, it doesn't matter whether he's a good lad or not. He could be the biggest toe rag in the world, but if he's got 15 <laughs> goals by this stage and 10 assists, you're not bothered. If he's a nice guy who, when he comes on the pitch, doesn't really affect the match, then he's not a great deal of use to anybody. And I, I just don't see his style fitting into this group. You know, if you put him in the team, you're taking the ball away from Garner, aren't you? If you put him in the team, you're not getting the ball out wide quickly to Brennan Johnson. So the way the team play at the moment, do you want to go through a number 10? Do you want to do that? I'm not sure you do, because I think the team know what they want to be. The identity is growing all the time. And what I would say, by the way, just to say, the last time I came on the podcast and we talked about Chris Hewton and what was going to happen onwards, 
The only decision that Dave Murphy's had to get right since he's been the chief executive was who he appointed as the manager. And we spoke at length about this. And I said to you when I was on before, he's either got to come out and say, Chris Uton's my man, or he's got to be allowed to get rid of him and make, make the change. And, and they made the change and Cooper comes in. And what I would say, my knowledge of the situation is that he was, if they got a list of three, he was one, two and three on the chief executive's list. He was adamant that Steve Cooper was the person that he wanted. Managers were available, managers who wanted the job. Chris Wilder wanted the job and look what he's done at Middlesbrough, which has been fantastic. But but managers with a pedigree and managers with a track record were also making themselves available to, to Forrest. But Dane Murphy had identified Steve Cooper as the one that he wanted. He was adamant that that was the manager that he wanted to bring in. And he was completely focused on making sure that he got that deal done and wasn't prepared to be swayed by anybody else to widen the search and look elsewhere. And I think he deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that to make the identification, to then go out and make the appointment as quick as he had, and Forrest and I reaping the rewards. And I think sometimes we kind of get bogged down with everything that we see on the pitch. And I think sometimes we've got to take a look behind the scenes and see what the changes are, see the decision-making process, see how that's developing. And I think in this case, he's got it spot on. And that this is the most important decision he will make as the chief exec until he has to get another manager. Um, let's turn our attention to kind of the most important game because it's the next one, but it's obviously the one fans look forward to um, against Derby County. Uh, Max, how are you feeling about it? Because sometimes they feel a bit stale, but this one certainly doesn't, does it? How, how does it feel to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it will be a big, it will be a big game. There's kind of so many factors around it as well. Um, I think I think it's the first time, isn't it, that there's that we've we're playing Derby at the City Ground since kind of COVID and since the fans have returned. Um, so that's one thing to add to it. Um, also, another thing to add to it is obviously Derby's situation at the moment. This could be the last Derby for a season, for a few seasons, or even forever with the talk of them. And um, you know possibly even being liquidated. I mean, the EFL really are trying to kind of throw throw the book at them. Um, so so in a way, I'm, I'm actually quite nervous because I think the way that Rooney's got Derby playing at the moment, and um, I speak to a Derby fan, Lisa, quite a lot, and um, she was just saying to me the, um, the other month when we had the fixture at theirs, she said that, um, you know, there's just a team spirit and that the way Rooney's got the players believing in themselves, even though they've got that point deduction, that they could still stay up. And you look and... Everyone thinks, oh, and everyone thought when they had the point deduction, now that's it, Derby are down. I always just had a kind of little thing at the back of my mind that said, knowing a team like Derby, they will probably try and probably will pull it off. And I wouldn't be surprised. I think, I honestly think this could be Forest, one of Forest's most difficult games this weekend because Derby will be up for it as much as Forest, if not a little bit, maybe more. But then it is a Derby occasion. And I hope the way. Cooper's been in, you know, with the squad recently. That he'll, you know, he's going to remind the players that what type of game it is, and for the fans, and and we'll go out, you know, we'll go out and win because this could be the last time we play Derby for a, for a while. And if they get relegated to League One, then it could be a season, two seasons, and you never know. Being optimistic, if Forest went up this season and they went down, then you just never know what will happen in the next few years either. I mean, I'll hold my hands up and say <laughs> I, I I thought Rooney'd be rubbish, I, uh, but yeah, I did. Uh, but he's obviously uh, more intelligent than his image is belied. He he can get a team together, he can organise a team, and he's built that siege mentality. What do you feel? I mean, we don't talk about the opposition too much, Fletch, but what do you feel about Derby and the, the kind of the X factor it brings into this game? 
I'm a little bit conflicted still on the, the, the Rooney's a good manager discussion because I think it's a different situation that he finds himself in now where you can get your players in the changing rooms and you can tell them that the world's against them and that they've all got to dig in. And it's, it's why you get certain managers that can keep you up. And then when you want to kick on the next year, you've got to look elsewhere. Whether he's got the, the ability to make a good team better and a, you know, an excellent team elite, we don't know. What we do know is that he can put a group of lads into a training ground situation and a match day situation and wring everything out of them. And what you do know on Saturday is you're going to get everything from Derby. And, and the person that's going to relish and revel in the atmosphere at the city ground as much as anybody on, on Saturday is Wayne Rooney, because this is the kind of situation that he's, that he's grown up in. Um, I think what is a key for Forrest heading into the weekend is the game against Arsenal because players who haven't experienced that special city ground atmosphere, because there is a special city ground atmosphere on occasions, they have now. So they're going to get the same against Derby. They're not going to be surprised by it. They've experienced it and they've performed in it. And I think that's huge heading into the weekend. Forrest are a better team. Player for player, Forrest are a better group. League position slightly skewed because they've had the points taken off. So they're a mid-table side to all intents and purposes if you put the points back on. Um, so it's not an easy game. Don't let the league position fool anybody this weekend. And of course, derby matches historically are bizarre to predict. But I just look at it and think at the form that Forrest are on, the atmosphere that's going to be generated in the stadium. I think it's hard to look any further than a, than a Forest win and, and possibly a fairly decent Forest win. I'm, I'm as confident about this game as I have been for a while because I just look at the momentum, the circumstances, the confidence, everything that's oozing through this Forest team. I'd feel that way against most sides in the Championship now. You know, maybe with the exception of Fulham, who can turn anybody over emphatically when they want to. Anybody else arriving at the city ground now at this particular moment in time, I'd fear for. So I think it's going to be a great day. I think the Forest fans are going to be happy. I think Rooney's going to go away with his tail between his legs. And I, 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 I think it's going to be special. I, I think people who are going on, on, on Saturday should enjoy it because, like you say, we might not see this for a while. Um, we've become used to seeing it twice a season and more if, if they draw each other in a cup match. This might be the last one for a, for a little while. So I just hope everybody goes and enjoys it. And, and, and I, I, I'm pretty confident that the Forest momentum will continue at the weekend. Because when you look at Derby, yeah, they, they, they've got some outstanding individual talents. I mean, they beat Sheffield United at the weekend on the back of two excellent goals from Tom Lawrence. And they've got players in the team that can do that. But a lot of the players are relatively young. And they're going to walk into a cauldron at the weekend. And how they respond to that is going to dictate how they play. But I think Forrest has got quite a significant advantage and I expect them to win it. Uh, so what's your take on the Rooney situation, Fletch, around Everton? I mean, last night I thought he'd get the job and now we're reading about Roberto Martinez and, and all that kind of stuff. Does that create any kind of air, and, air of uncertainty in the Derby camp or does it not matter because the whole football club's uncertainty? At the yeah, I, I think the uncertainty that they've gone through this season, I, I, I think they're pretty unshakable now. I think they've seen everything. I think it's just another slap in the face, isn't it, for everybody at the minute? And they've dealt with that kind of situ situation well. I, I I would be surprised if Everton make an appointment quickly. You know, I, I they've got Duncan Ferguson there who's been a, a caretaker before. Leighton Baines is on the staff as well who knows the club inside out. I certainly feel they give themselves a bit of breathing space to work out what they need to do because this is... 
a vital appointment that Everton have, have got to make in the context of where they are. I'd be surprised if by the weekend, Wayne Rooney's getting ready for Aston Villa at Goodison Park and, and somebody else is in charge at Derby. So I don't think it's going to happen that quickly. And, and I don't think that that situation at the moment will have any influence on the, on the on the match at the weekend. I think he'll just knuckle down and crack on. And I think he'll, he'll just send the same message. Look, the entire world's against us. They're even telling us that I'm going somewhere else now. I'm not. I'm here. I'm going to try and win. And I, and I think they'll they'll turn up the same as they would have turned up in, in any other situation. Are you making any changes, Max, to the side from the Millwall game? I suppose I'm thinking about, like, Graben and Davis. I mean, Davis is an interesting character. The thing about him, I was re- a colleague was telling me he was trained to be a barber four years ago. He'd almost given up. He was playing as a non-league winger. I mean, I wouldn't like to be the fullback who's lining up opposite him at, at two fifty-nine PM. If you're Alan Wright size and you're looking at him across you from you, yeah. but are you playing Davis or are you making a given one up front with Graben? What 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 do you want to see from Forrest? I'd say I'd say you'd stick with Graben up top. I think a team like Millwall are a little bit more physical than Derby, hence why Cooper probably opted for two up top for Keenan to kind of hold it up and use his strength. So I'd say stick with Graben up top. Um, and I think I think probably um, stick with the formation that's you know worked for Forest. That you know if it's not broken, kind of don't change it in a way. Um, sometimes managers will change it for certain games because of different occasions. I mean, the Arsenal game certainly wasn't our kind of starting eleven, you know, by all means, and we managed to do really well there, and at least for forty-five minutes until a few more players came on hold hold them out until we went on and snatched it late on. So. And probably the same for Millwall in a way. So I suppose I think that keeping Graben up top and then Keenan Davis on the bench, I'd also potentially like to see Yande Silva given a chance again, brought on. I, I was impressed with him um, when he's featured in the last few weeks. Uh, and then I think Cook will definitely play because he's used to the championship. He's, you know, and like Fletch said, he's experienced the, the special atmosphere so far at the City Ground. But as a kind of pro and I suppose you could say maybe veteran centre-back in a way that he's probably used to kind of atmosphere in derby games in, 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 in the league. So um, I think I think the Forest team is used to it. I mean, players like Brennan Johnson, I, d- I don't think they'll struggle um, against a side like Derby. Brennan Johnson did a great Ackerman when um, we, it was the return fixture, of course, in early in the season when we had Uton and we snatched it late on. And I think that was from a Brennan Johnson goal. So I think young players sometimes do relish on the occasion. And if they're used to playing at the city ground, we're at home, you know, the, the atmosphere is behind us. So I think I, I, I honestly just think just stick with the best team that Forrest have had all season, really. Hmm. What's your take on Graben Fletch? Is he playing for a contract or is he actually really just enjoying his football? Because he looks like more of a smile on his face to me. I, I disagree with Max on that on that position. And I, I disagree because if you need someone to come on and score a goal, you know that Lewis Graben can score a goal. We don't know still whether Keenan Davis is going to be able to score a goal. That was the point I made earlier. And I think the way Keenan plays, it's an attritional battle against the central defender. And I think if you want to get the best out of him, you want Keenan Davis stretching the defence, running at defenders, breaking them down. And then when you need someone to come off the bench and nick your goal when Keenan Davis has run the centre-back ragged, Lewis Graben's the best in the division potentially to come off and do that. So I, I, I think it makes more sense to start with Davis and bring on Graben than start with Graben and bring on Davis. So I would do that. I mean, the rest of it, I think, pretty much picks itself. I'm not, I'm not quite as high on silver as, as, as Max is. I, I'm still waiting to be convinced. I'm a little bit in the Carvalho boat with him as well at the minute. I'm, I need to see a bit more. 
And I'd, I'd certainly, I'd certainly start Davis. I think, I think with Graben, age has got to be a factor. Um, they've got to look at what, what, where they want to be, and they've got to, they've got to, what they've got to work out is what they want to pay for a player of that age to do that job. You know, you're looking at. I would suspect he's the highest paid player in the squad. So, and he's what, 33, 34? 34. 34. So do you want your highest paid player to be 34? And is Lewis Graben prepared to go, well, I'll tell you what, I'll stay for less. There's a lot in it. You know, outside of just playing for a contract, I think there's a lot of mathematics involved here. They've got to work out whether they can spend that money better because they might be in the championship next season as well. And if they are, they're going to be among the pre-season favourites to get automatic promotion if this carries on. Therefore, they're going to be a very attractive proposition for, for, for strikers who might want to come and, and prove themselves. I think in a, in a vacuum, you'd keep Lewis Graben. But I think there's a lot of factors with him that they've got to work out with regard to what they do. And of course, they've only got Keenan Davis until the end of the season. Lewis Graben's contract runs out. So then they're essentially strikerless. Now, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, all of a sudden, you've got a blank piece of paper and a decent weekly salary to start again in what is the most important position in your team. And we've spoken, Matt, a lot about this, about trying to get the best possible striker to get you 25, 30 goals in the championship to get you out. They're in a position this summer to potentially do that, starting from scratch. Flip side is they might keep the two they've got now and on you go and they might be satisfied. So I think he's got something to prove because I think Lewis Graben under Steve Cooper is a different player to Lewis Graben under Chris Hewton, as a lot of them are. So they've got to work out what he actually is. And I think that there's going to be a, a discovery process for the rest of the season. What are they going to get? How much has he got left? What's the deal going to look like? I mean, look, he makes everybody's mind up if he scores 10 the rest of the way, doesn't he? If all of a sudden he scores 10, they get in the playoffs and he's one of the main reasons that they're in there decision taken it's easy but if there's a bit of inconsistency again that we saw in the first half of the season do you look and say 34 had a good career we can do better I think I think it's a fascinating one and I think it's probably a process that will split opinion with the supporter base you know some are going to want him some aren't I know he's popular he's popular at the club popular with the supporters just a 34 year old centre forward I mean I, that, that has to come with it with an element of risk hmm um, I think Silver might go, by the way. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Greece this month. Um, does it feel, Max and Fletch, uh, it feels to me like they're going to have a right go this season and then, there's a, like you said, there's a sort of a blank slate coming in the summer. There's quite a lot of players who are out of contract. Um, they'll keep Johnson and Worrell if they can this month and then we might see a different squad again. Does that feel like a good approach to you, Max? It feels fine to me to have a good tilt at it this summer. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think that if you kind of give it everything and Forrest do end up in the playoffs and I wouldn't say scrape or luckily, but maybe replicate, let's say, kind of Villa's success when they went on that kind of unbeaten run and ended up surprisingly kind of getting into the final, beating Derby and going up. They, they were kind of not seen as favourites for the playoffs, definitely halfway through the season um, that time. I think it was a good few years ago that. But um, so, you know, if, if, if Forrest did kind of have a brilliant run and we cement our place in the playoffs and then we end up in the final and we just go for it and we end up in the Premier League, then it, it, it's one of those in a way where I think that once you're there, teams can then start. I, I always think that when people say that, or oh, uh, you know, such and such a team isn't ready for the Premier League, I always think once you get there, you can then cement your permanent place in a way of then you go out and you spend your money and you get, you know, 
Premier League quality additions. So in a way, in a way I, I honestly think that, and this is probably Dane, what Dane Murphy and, and potentially Marianakis is saying to Cooper is just go for it. If we end up in the playoffs, then brilliant. And if we go further than that, then fantastic. And we'll move from there. But if not, then we've seen in the last kind of half of the season what Cooper can do to a squad. It's a positive time for Forrest. And with a few more additions and keeping kind of those players, and, and, and I, I would keep grabbing. I think he's a, a decent option, whether you do have him on the bench, whether you do start. And I think even players like Taylor as well coming on that can, especially if Forrester 1 0 up in a game, Taylor can come on and he can run his socks off. And but you can't have almost... all of them, can you, Max? That's the point. You, you, you can't, you can't, if you're a championship club with the way the, the financial situation is structured, you can't have two players earning that amount of money and then bring somebody else in as well, unless you're bringing them in on loan. It's impossible because you're giving up, you're spending too much on two players that theoretically aren't going to start for you. This is the problem. If you keep grabbing and Taylor on the wages that they're on, they've got to be starting. Otherwise, you're just wasting cash because they're on a decent wage. They're on, they're on, they're on very competitive championship wages. So if those two aren't going to be one and two, then I think you've got to get rid of at least one of them because you, you is Lewis Graben next year going to be your starting number nine for 46 games if you're in the championship? If he's not, then you've got to use Lyle Taylor's money to get the starter in knowing what Graben's role is going to be. I think it's a big ask for a club like Forrest in the championship to say, we'll carry Taylor, we'll carry Graben and we'll take another one because I think that's going to leave you short somewhere else. I think it's a... I think it's a mathematical problem they've got as much as anything. And I think you've got you, you, they've got to make sure that they use those salaries properly because if you're spending the kind of money they spend on those two, you've got to be guaranteeing goals in that division. Otherwise, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And I think this is, this is the analytical process you've got to go through. You know, can Steve Cooper make Lyle Taylor the Lyle Taylor that was at Charlton? If, if he can, then it's, it's great. Everybody's happy because that was a really good championship striker. But that's not the Lyle Taylor we see at Forest at the moment. Where's Lewis Graben going to be by the time he hits 35? And can he play every week or is he going to be better off in a role where he plays 20 games, comes on in 25, nicks you the winning goal in a few matches and plays that complementary role? And is he happy to do that? And what does his contract look like if he's going to do that? I think this is the issue for them. And what they are very careful of there is that they do everything properly. Now they've seen the Derby situation, so they want to be they want to be very clear that, that they're doing everything right. So I, I I don't think it's a popularity contest for these two. I think this is a this will have to be a cold hard business decision that you're the highest paid player. Are you going to give us value for money on that? And if you are fine, if you're not, then there's got to be a, a decision made around the two of them. Do you see? Do you, do you see what I mean? I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not arguing the toss over the two fellas. They're both good guys, and they, they've both got a, a position to play, a part to play. But if they're your two top, if they're your two top earners, and, and only one's going to play, we've seen the value of Keenan Davis already. You know, a striker that's got a bit more energy and a bit different, and come down from the Premier League, and all of a sudden, Forest look like a a more vibrant group, don't they? And they've got a bit more verve about them and they're, they're a bit more exciting to watch. They can get forward quicker, X, Y, and Z. Mm. That's what they've got to ask, I think, for next year. Otherwise, mm. you're just sticking with the status quo. And by the way, before Cooper came in, a lot of fans would have driven the pair of them somewhere else. So 
we've got to analyse this over over the whole season, not not just this little vacuum now where the, where everything's going well. I think. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, I personally think it, it, it all, all, all depends on what league Forest are in. If we're in the Premier League, then I don't think Graben would be capable of definitely starting. I mean, personally, I'd start Graben for 60 minutes and then you bring him off. And especially if he's gone and got you that goal, Forrester one 2 nil up in a game. And this is what I can see happening at the weekend, for example, against Derby. Then you get Lyle Taylor on that will run his socks off for the remainder of the game and possibly go and get another one. I, I, I think Taylor gets a lot of stick. People say he falls around a lot, but I think he's still a, a, a good option in terms of, you know, coming on off the bench. You saw against Bristol City, yeah, it was apparently in a bit of a scrappy goal, but he got himself, got himself in those positions. I just think he's worth keeping, but maybe from a kind of a, a, a money point of view and, and whether the Forest hierarchy decide on that, then you're right, it'll probably be another decision. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor went. I just think it depends what league Forest are in. I think the situation as well, and we spoke about this earlier in the in the, in the the summer, didn't we, when we were talking about what they might do in that central striking area, Matt. I think if you look at the teams that, that do well in this division, historically, they've always had a striker that gets 25 goals or more. And sometimes they've had more than one. And you look at the, the division now, Mitrovic at Fulham, whatever they're doing at Bournemouth, Brereton, who we know really well at, at Blackburn. These central strikers are carrying these teams into the top six and beyond. Um, is, is, are the two that we're talking about going to be 25 goal a season strikers next season? I don't know. Um, I just know the value of a, of a hot goal scorer in, in this division. And I think as well, if you're going to do what you suggest and you're going to play Graben for 60 minutes and then you're going to do what you're going to do, I think that then makes it difficult to get the other one in. So you say to a Premier League club, well, can we loan your centre forward? And we're going to use him for the last half an hour because we're going to play Lewis Graben for 60 minutes. They're going to say, well, no, because he needs to come to you and improve. And I, I've got a lot of faith in Steve Cooper that by the time the summer comes, he's going to be able to attract some really good players to the football club because his reputation within the game is is such that managers know that players who come to work under him go back to the club better. So I think he's going to be in... I, I think the dynamic will change quite a lot this yeah. summer in terms of players that they can now attract. I think in the past, you were looking and thinking, they're going to struggle to get him, they won't get him. But I think now the power of Steve in the office, and I've spoken to Premier League managers about him, and they hold him in such high regard because they know that he makes players better. So I think that the summer window is going to be fascinating. When he's had a period of time to assess the group and he's had a, a period of time to discuss things with his team and with the hierarchy in there, I think the kind of player that Forrest are going to be linked with and the kind of player they're going to be able to bring in this summer will be of a, a better standard than what we've seen before. And I think it might be quite a pleasant surprise for supporters what they can actually do with this fella as the manager because of his reputation, which I think will be great for everybody. I suppose one other thing they have to bear in mind, kind of picking up something you were saying earlier, Fletch, is they have to look at their own exiles in a sense. They've got Harry Arter on big money for another year at least. I think it's one more year for this. They're lucky enough to be able to get rid of Bong at the end of the season, uh, Jenkinson at the end of the season. They don't want to go back to that position and have Lyle Taylor, you know, playing five times the under-23s on X amount of £1,000 a week. And it's, it's a lot, I think. So I think that, yeah, if they're in the championship, they've got to be mindful of that, certainly, haven't they? They've got to get it right. In the, the Premier League, it's easy. They've both got to go because they're not going to score goals in the Premier League. I mean, Max made the point about 
you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really good point that people talk about whether teams are ready for the Premier League or not. I think Norwich are the perfect example, perfect example that you're never ready for the Premier League, are you? Because they've won the, the championship twice and then been awful when they get in the Premier League. So, I mean, the best team in the championship two of the last three years hasn't been ready for the, the Premier League. So I totally agree with Max on that, that you've got to get in there and then try and make the best of it. You know, so I get that. But, you know, I, I, I think I think that the, the question is answered automatically if they become a Premier League team. If they're a championship team, that's where it gets a little bit more complicated. True, true. Um, perhaps the last thing. Is it promotional bust for keeping Brennan Johnson and Joe Worrell Fletch? And obviously Jed Spence. I mean, I, I think he's got that's definitely the case. I would say I would suggest so, yeah. You know, I I, I, I kind of look at this from, from their perspective. They want to play in the Premier League, don't they? And, and they're extremely loyal to the club. I get that. But you know, we mentioned financial fair play. Historically, Forrest have had to sell a youngster a year to make sure they stay within the parameters of that. Um Brennan Johnson, I think, is going to be um, a hot commodity by the end of the season. Joe Worrell, I think when you look at some of the players who are floating around in the Premier League, is also someone that could go in there and, and play. I think there's, I would say again, that, that I think there's more likelihood that Joe Worrell starts for Forest on the opening day of next season than Brennan Johnson if they're a, a championship team, simply because players want attackers, young attackers. They're worth their weight in gold. If you can pick a Brennan Johnson up for 15 million, and he becomes a, a 45, 50 million pound striker at your club, you're going to take the gamble. So I, I, I think they'll find it hard to keep him. Jed Spence's situation is, is, is just beyond anybody's control, isn't it? Because he's a Middlesbrough player. We've read a lot this week. I'm not necessarily sure that, 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 that all this stuff this week's quite right. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm wrestling in my mind <clears throat> to see Jed Spence make the move from a loan spell at Forest to Roma. I, I find that quite... Uh, this month, I don't think he can. I mean, no, Forrest have re- renegotiated the loan deal. There's contracts right, signed, right. aren't there? When I see him linked with clubs like that, I know he had a fantastic game against Arsenal. Mm. If you analyse him over the whole of the season, he's been, he's been good. He's been good. Fine. But I'm not sure he's been quite that, that good. So, but... It, 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 I mean, it, that's just beyond anybody's control. I mean, in an ideal world, Forrest get to the end of the season and buy Jed Spence, don't they? Mm. You know, but I think if, if he's going to be back at Forrest next season, that's got to be the way it goes. They'd have to buy him. You're not going to loan him again. And then what's the price going to be based on what he does this season? If all of a sudden clubs are wanting 10 million for Jed Spence and you're going to get 15 for Brennan Johnson, there's your answer. He's not going to be here, is he? So, and again, I think they've got a manager now that he's going to go and find players, younger players, that are going to come in and do the job for him. And you're going to go, oh, fine. We didn't miss that individual because he's found him and he's equally as good or better. I think Forest fans might just need to convince themselves about this, but the, but the goalposts have changed. This is not going to be like previous summers where you get a group of lads from foreign leagues. You think, well, I've never really heard of him. Let's hope he's okay. And we make our mind up over the period of time. I think now you're going to see big clubs approached for decent players, promising players. They're going to come in and you're going to go, well, I've got a fair chance here of this working out. And I think it's going to look different. I just think it'll look different. Uh, until it happens, nobody's going to go, oh, yes, I see. But when it does, you, I think people will look at it and go, yeah, it's a different scenario now. Because it, I can't emphasise enough how strong his reputation is within the game. The, the managers know that 
to go and work with Steve makes that young player better. And he knows them inside out because he's worked with them through the England age groups. So he knows them. And his track record of acquiring players is, 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 is excellent. Look at the players that have been at the clubs he's been at who have gone on to be better. Good at that. So I, I think the dynamics change to a large extent. I, I, I think I think Jed Spence is a, is a is a beyond everybody's control one. And, and I think I think the way Brennan's playing at the minute, I'll be amazed if they don't get very serious offers for him that, that they find difficult to, to, to turn down. And then Joe, Joe goes into that pool, doesn't he? I mean, I, I was reading something the other day that Nat Phillips is available at Liverpool and you can get Nat for 15 to 20 million. Well, there's a player that's played in the Champions League and he very rarely does anything wrong for Liverpool. He's just not Virgil van Dijk, but he's he's similar in many ways to what Joe does at Forest. So what would the market be like for him? I don't know. I don't know. The market might dictate the Joe Worrell situation a bit more than, than Brennan Johnson. Yeah, I think um, I think Spence is bright and good if Lamptey goes for fifty million to Chelsea. That kind of that level certainly. Yeah. Um, one more for you, Fletch. Like you go around the grounds. Obviously, you were at the Etihad this weekend. You talk about how Cooper's regarded. How are Forest regarded now? Do you think when you go around and speak to people, has the perception changed in the last few months that they feel like a club in a better place when you speak to people or not? Yeah, in terms of the perception, where the perception will change is that people are actually talking about the club again. You know, they've kind of gone from off the radar, off everybody's radar, because they've been gone for so long. And it's so long since they were winning stuff. You know, we forget because we've seen it, but it's a hell of a long time since they were at Wembley winning League Cups and even longer since they're winning European Cups and League titles. But people are aware of them again. And I think that's a big step. I think to, to consolidate that now, they've got to make sure they get in the top six and have a run in the playoffs or even better if they can. And then next season, there'll be a buzz around the place. But they're certainly back on the map. They're back on everybody's map. And when I speak to people at the grounds, whether they're fans behind the commentary position, they all know I'm from Nottingham, so it's all Forest are doing okay, aren't they? Now, 12 months ago, they would, wouldn't have mentioned Forest. They would have mentioned whatever was happening that day. So Forest, Forest is, is, is back on the map on a, on a national level, and, and the result against Arsenal has, has done wonders for that. Um, I'm just blown away by the enthusiasm in the city at the minute. I'm, I'm trying to think back to when, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to kind of remember Cluffy's time. And the, bar the league championship season, European Cup season, there was never really the clamour for tickets that there is now. Even when you think about the team with Pierce and Walker that were going to Wembley. I mean, to get the 27, 28,000 and packing it every week, wasn't always the case. And I think the enthusiasm the fans have shown, it's, 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 it just shows how wonderful the fan base is, how loyal the fan base is. And I'm pleased for them as much as anybody that they've stuck with the club through some really stinking, dire times. Some really kind of mad, bizarre managerial situations. And they've always stayed loyal. They've always bought the tickets. They've always supported them brilliantly. They've been an absolute credit to the football club. And now it's great to see them filling the ground every week, enjoying it, singing the song. The atmosphere is brilliant. The minute you walk in, you can feel it. And it, I think the city ground's special because they've not ripped it up and started again. It still feels old school. It's still quite atmospheric. And, the, you know, the asbestos tiles on the roof that you've never got faster health and safety these days keep the noise in, you know. So it feels different. You know, I, whatever Premier League ground I go to, there's a different noise and a different feel when you walk in there. That's probably because it's, it's my club and I'm, I'm from the city. I'm probably 
ridiculously biased. Um, but I, I, just, I just think it's I, I just I just think it's superb that, that a fan base that's been dragged through the mill for so long, you know, League One and, and all this best players being sold and false hopes and. I remember Joe Kinnear years ago telling me that he got an A and a B list to sign players and Dennis Bergkamp was on the A list and you're thinking that's the biggest load of bull that you've ever heard. And then the next day the season tickets went on sale and loyal people bought those tickets based on rubbish that was coming out of the club and all the stuff that's been spouted down the years. I think now they've got a chairman in Nick Randall that really cares. They've got an owner that's prepared to put some money in and he's putting fortunes in. Let's, let's, let's not beat about the bus. They've got a bright chief exec now who's, who's got his biggest decision right. Most importantly, they've got a manager that seems to fit the club, the city. Fans love him. And they've got a really exciting group. And I, I, I think we should enjoy it. I hope it continues. Um, and I've got every belief that, that as it is at the moment, the structure and everything that's in place, they can get back to the Premier League. And I've not said that for quite some time. Um, Max, I'm going to give you the last word because Fletch said there about League Cups at Wembley and Clough. I mean, you weren't born then. I'm not sure you were born when I was at university. So, no. just Was Max born when they in League One, by the way? It looks like he should be at school. He's making <laughs> me feel old today. I'm, I'm 17. Doing, I'm, I'm 17, 17. Fletch. 17. 17. I wish I could broadcast like you at 17. That's sure. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, give us the last word, Max, on, on how you're viewing it and how younger fans are viewing it because they've been starved of any kind of success, like Fletch says. How, how are they feeling? How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think that the probably the last time from when I started supporting Forest, I think Billy Davis first time round was probably the most hopeful I've been. Lamucci was good, but then COVID came along and kind of shut it all down. So, um, so I think I think this is the most positive time. And like Fletcher, I, I I think the fan base deserves it. I mean, I've kind of had a season ticket from seven or eight years old, really. I've gone kind of home and away, and I've gone to away games. I can remember times during the kind of Fawaz era, me and my dad would go, and I was only 13, 14 at the time, and Forrest had played, I think, I think we played Wigan at the DW, um, and we drew nil-nil. It was an awful performance, and then we lost like 2-0 in the cup the following week. We played them twice in a row, and I, when we ended up going to both games. One was a Tuesday night, and one was a Saturday, and I can remember just thinking, you know, this football club doesn't give you much back, and, and from kind of my point of view as, as a young person, I think that so many of my mates support United, Arsenal, City, you know, so many in the Premier League that are used to seeing success. And I often, I, I'd like to ask City fans this, when they keep scoring goals, and I um, I luckily was in, I enough went to the FA Cup final when City played, um, uh, I think it was Watford that time when they won 6-0. And when they scored the fourth or the fifth, like almost the City fans just stood up and just went, oh, that's another goal and like started clapping. And I think that if Forrest were in that position and we'd scored four or five, I still think, you know, wherever Forrest would be, the fans would be going absolutely mental. So I, I personally think that Forrest have a fantastic fan base and we do deserve something good this season and, and, and fingers crossed this season is the one. Yes, absolutely. Right, let's end it there. Thanks very much to everyone who watched along and dropped lots of comments in. Lots of love for Fletch. Um, Michaela says, love you, Max. And we know, I don't think we know who Michaela is. She's a familiar Forest fan. So lots of love for Max and Fletch. Right, Does Fletch, Does she just love Max? Has she gone for the younger man there? Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's quite funny because I I interview Michaela um, kind of home and away and, and we talk about Spence and she said to keep Spence, Forrest should just 
lock him in a cupboard. So we've had a Twitter campaign going around, call it uh, hashtag lock Spence in a cupboard. So that's been fun as well. <laughs> um, there you go. Love Fletch too from Michaela. That's a good <laughs> note to end on. We don't want Fletch feeling left out. Right. Uh, thanks very much, everyone. We'll leave it there and we'll be back either later this week or we'll be back on Monday with our review of the Derby game, which hopefully Forest have won comfortably and they're marching on to the Premier League. So thanks very much and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.